0: Awesome. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. I'm Ari Meisel. And
1: I'm Nick Sonnenberg.
0: And today our guest is Michael Bruce, Dr. Michael Bruce, who is a sleep <laughs> doctor. So, Michael, thank you for being with us.
2: Are you kidding? Thanks for having me. This is going to be awesome.
0: Absolutely. So, the first thing is, how did you become a specialist in sleep?
2: So, it's kind of interesting. I went a very different route than many sleep specialists go. Most sleep specialists are medical doctors, and they usually have a specialty in pulmonary medicine or neurology, psychiatry, um, even ear, nose and throat. Um, but I'm actually a PhD in clinical psychology. And there was a period of time where as a clinical psychologist, I could take the a medical specialty board without going to medical school. And so I did and I passed. And I'm one of 163 psychologists in the world who have ever taken a medical specialty board without going to medical school and passing.
1: What, what does that mean exactly that you
2: I can do like, everything that an MD can do except for prescribed medication. Um, which actually is great because then my liability insurance isn't so high. (laughs) And I'm not a big medication guy anyway. So my subspecialty within sleep disorders is insomnia. And I try to treat insomnia with behavioral techniques, with supplements, things like that. I'm trying to shy away from you know, using pharmaceuticals in that instance, because for many people, while it is appropriate for some, once you have an insomnia problem and you introduce medication, sometimes you have an insomnia problem and a pill problem. And so we want to, you know, we want to limit that kind of situation if at all possible. Uh, And I've been an actively practicing sleep specialist for the last 16 years. I've treated everything from apnea to narcolepsy to insomnia. And um, through my research, I actually discovered a whole bunch of stuff about chronotypes. And that's kind of what my new thing is right now.
1: What is a chronotype? Could you explain that?
2: Sure, of course. A chronotype is a classification of your genetically predetermined sleep time. So as an example, and you've heard of chronotypes before, even though the word might not be familiar to many people. So many people have heard of either being an early bird or a night owl. Those are actually chronotypes. But it turns out that those only represent about 15% of the population for early and 15% of the population for late. So when you start to think about it, there's a lot of people out there that didn't fit into one of those two buckets. And I decided to figure out, well, where do the rest of us fall into play and, and how can we leverage that and learn more about it? So I actually started looking into the literature and it turns out that there are about 55% of people who are right there in the middle between early birds and night owls. And then there's about 10 to 15% of people that have significant insomnia and their chronotype is all wonky and all over the place.
1: Can a chronotype change? Because I feel like when I was in high school, I was more of the (laughs) night owl, but now as I'm getting older, I'm more of the early person. So
2: absolutely, chronotypes can change. And you hit the nail on the head. So I have a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they're both what I call wolves. I, I changed the vernacular a little bit, and I'll explain why in a minute. But these are my night owls, and everybody is a night owl uh, or a, what I call a wolf in their teenage years. They like to stay up late and sleep late. You know, it's it's like a miracle to get my son out of bed on Saturday before 11, 12 o'clock.
0: And that's funny because I, I feel like I was probably the same – I was pretty much the same way when I was, was that age as well. And I would always <laughs> catch up on the weekends, which I know you, there's, there's different research yeah. on whether or not that's possible. Yeah. Right.
1: Like now on the weekends, like I'm still waking up super – like I wake up at like the same time pretty much every day, which is really early. That's great. Um, and, I have, and
0: I have four young children, so I wake up at the <laughs> same time no matter what time of day. <laughs> Almost the same time. Now with the chronotype, though, you're not just talking about sleep, though. You're also talking about like peak time to do work or to work out or as, on a website to have sex even. so
2: exactly and so what's kind of fascinating is once you know your chronotype i actually know what your hormone distribution is during a 24-hour cycle and then what i did was i matched what hormones do you need for what activities and when are they at the levels that you would need them so it's it's actually was kind of a math problem (laughs) for a while there is learning as an example people always ask me the question like what's the best time to have sex and what's fascinating about it is if you look at when you know 95 percent of people have sex at night and so the question becomes: Is that really the optimal time to have sex? Well, we know that there are certain optimal hormones sex. that you need for sex. Optimal right? for what? What's that? Optimal for what? The optimal for either desire or performance. Okay. All right. And so, if you're if if you're thinking about what hormones are necessary for men, it's testosterone, it's um, cortisol, it's adrenaline. For women, it's estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, and adrenaline. Right. So, if you look at those levels throughout a 24-hour cycle, they're actually at their lowest at around 11 o'clock at night, right? Which is when most people are having sex. Also, what's interesting is melatonin is highest at that period of time. And that's actually makes it very difficult to have sex when your melatonin is very high. So one of the things I talked about with people is I said, well, what we really should consider be doing is having sex on Saturday morning at nine o'clock, right? Because we know that all of your hormones are exactly at the right spot. Your melatonin is low and all those other uh, sex related hormones are much higher at that particular period of time. Now, also for some people where it might not be, you know, work out to be at nine o'clock on Saturday morning to have sex, You can at the evenings, but it actually should be earlier in the evenings before your melatonin starts to spike and all those other hormones start to go down. So before dinner. (laughs) Yeah, well before dinner or right around dinner and I actually created a matrix in the book so that because some people are different chronotypes, right? So what if you're an early early person? right? And your partner is a night person. So I actually created this matrix where you put plug in your chronotype on the top and theirs on the side, and then you can actually figure out which one to go to. And I did it for uh, heterosexual couples, uh, gay couples, and lesbian couples because the hormones are different. And uh, it actually, it's, it's incredible. It worked out really well. Interesting. That is really funny, actually. And, and, and the working
0: out, I'm curious about too. So something mm-hmm. that I I, for the first time in my life, and it's been for a few months now, but I mean, I've I've worked out in different ways my whole life, but Mm -hmm. for the first time ever, I now work out at like 10 o'clock at night. And I know that that's supposed to be the worst thing possible for sleep and all sorts of things, but not necessarily. I, yeah. So I love it. And I sleep great after. Um,
2: So here's, what's fascinating about that. And we'll talk about it in relationship to you. Well, first of all, what chronotype are you? Did you take the quiz? I didn't take the quiz yet. I don't know. Dude, you didn't take the quiz. You're (laughs) killing me. What time do you like to go to bed? I uh,
0: typically, um, I'm between 11 and midnight.
2: Okay. And what time do you usually get up?
0: Five-ish, depends on which kid wakes me up, but usually five.
2: Do you get up on your own or is it that your kid wakes you up?
0: It's a mix. I honestly, like <laughs> I have like six cents sometimes and I'll wake up a
2: minute or two before. Got it. So you're probably more of a night person than you are a morning person. Would that, would you think that's an accurate yeah, statement? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So here's what's interesting is if you're a night person or what I call a wolf, you actually should exercise at night because that's when you're actually going to be more alert. You're going to have better performance. Um, the only problem is that for night owls, and I'm actually a wolf myself, is our ability to sense pain is actually heightened as you go throughout the day. So it makes, it makes working out feel more effortful and more painful as we kind of go through that, that process.
0: I just want to follow up on that. And one of the things that's interesting about for me, too, is that so I mean, I start the day very early and my work day when I'm when I'm in like meetings and stuff is from Mm -hmm. uh, essentially 830 in the morning to 230. And I feel really hard charged. But every day between like three
2: and five, it is a struggle (laughs) for me to stay awake. Absolutely. Um, That's your that's your time of what I call groggy greatness. And so what happens is is there are certain activities, and we actually go into detail in the book, there are certain activities that you could actually do during that time that you're struggling much better than if you tried to do them earlier. So when you're waking up, you're going to have a level of alertness that's going to be pretty significant, and that will actually help you do certain types of activities. So whether it's meetings or doing analytics or really trying to kind of figure your your world out um, for things that require a significant focus that's going to work at a particular time of day. Whereas when you want to do more of your creativity and sort of that kind of thing, that's actually going to work more during your times when you're really kind of struggling. So what I would argue is, is that you're trying to do activities at the wrong time for you, right? Because you're a wolf. So the whole book is really about scheduling your day. It's not about changing your life. It's just taking things that you were doing at one time and putting them at another time when you know your body is actually ready to do them. Uh
1: huh. Do you also find like what I found too is... Um certain exercises I might prefer doing before bed or right mm-hmm. when I wake up. So like, just to say exercise, I think to me, at least it's too, fair enough was like, if I want to go for a hard swim or something right. like that, or we we do boxing, night is really nice for that because I, you know, it's a lot of cardio and I'm just exhausted and then right. I just fall asleep right away. Typically though, I go to this CrossFit gym and it's more, you know, weight and strength mm-hmm. training. And I like knocking that out right away in the morning and, and getting it over with. Cause I'm not, I'm not like exhausted afterwards. Right. And my brain is just kind of fresh and get a lot of work done right away in the morning.
2: So you're 100% dead on in doing this correctly, all right? And so different types of exercises actually work better at different times of day, again, based on your level of hormone. So when you look at something like swimming, that is something that requires an extreme amount of energy. And you literally blow through all of your energy stores and your hormones are there so you'll be able to perform at a level that you want, which is going to be, you know, kind of heightened. And then your body's so damn exhausted. It's super easy to fall asleep. Whereas when you're doing a CrossFit or a cross training, while I know those can be very intense. Depending upon your level of intensity, those will actually be better for some people earlier in the morning. What time yeah. do you have a tendency to go to bed?
1: So I, I used to be, I guess, self, um, self-proclaimed self uh, or self-diagnosed insomniac uh-huh.
2: uh,
1: at probably like 11 or 12 when I get up, get up around 630.
2: Okay. So you guys are pretty much on the same schedule. So it doesn't st- surprise me that you've broken up your workout types, because that's exactly what we go through in the book is what is the best time, for example, to do cardio versus to do yoga versus to train for strength, because those can actually be very different activities that can be done at different times.
1: Yeah. So, what are some of the um, like the tips that you give to people that say like are insomniacs? Are there mm-hmm. and you and I appreciate too that you try to avoid people going on drugs because I, I went down that road and had to take, um, man, I forget the name of it. They're so addictive. Once you get on these drugs, it's really was it Ambien
2: off. or Lunesta or those are the yeah, big popular ones.
1: Ambien isn't a. Um, um, Oh man, what what are the classifications of the of drugs for sleep? So know?
2: there's benzodiazepines, which is things like Restoril and Xanax and Halcyon. There's non-benzohypnotics, which is ambient, lunesta, things so kind
1: it of it was a hypnotic. It was in the hypnotic family.
2: I don't remember. So those are super addictive. And um
1: yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I, I, yeah, like I went I went through like a six month period where I would take an Adderall in the morning because I couldn't because right. like, I couldn't yeah. do anything. And then You know, it's hard to go to sleep because, like, you have the Adderall and you're just getting used to it. So it was like you take a hypnotic at night and an Adderall in the morning. It was a pretty bad uh, situation. Yeah, "Yeah."
2: I think that's called speedballing, and I think you should try to avoid that.
1: Yeah, well, now I don't take anything, but uh, it was it's really addictive, hard to get off.
2: Absolutely. Some of, the, some of the most challenging cases that I've ever seen have been trying to get people off of those hypnotics. And sometimes it can take anywhere from six to nine months of slow, slow, slow taper to just get the body less and less addicted over time. So
1: what, what are some of the ways that you um, like guide people to sleep better when they have sleeping mm-hmm. problems, like blue blocking glasses, working out at night,
2: not having so a certain so- time? Yeah. So the, what, I'm, what I've learned, and I, again, I've been doing this for 16 years, is if I understand what your chronotype is, then I, at least I have a place to start.
0: Well, right? so, so, so I'm a bear. I just took it while Nick was talking, which by the way, to people listening, it takes two minutes to take this quiz. So you do it. So I'm a bear.
2: Um, So most people are bears. These are my outgoing people. These are the people that have a good way of like getting stuff done. Um, these are the people who like to work hard, but also like to play hard. And, um, these are the people who are buying drinks at the bar or when you sit down at lunch with them, they're the ones who say, Hey, I want to tell you the story about this or tell you a story about that. There are a lot of, they're like really the outgoing kind of really fun people um, that are out there. And so what's interesting is you're a, you're a bear, but you probably don't need a tremendous amount of sleep because you're going to bed at midnight ish and waking up at six-ish, right?
0: And I'm getting woken up probably two or three times in the middle of the night, very briefly by a child.
2: Right, <laughs> welcome to parenthood. <laughs> Although this is your fourth time around, so I think you're probably pretty used to it. So, you know, when we look at that kind of stuff, once I understand what your chronotype is, then I can help you set a very particular sleep schedule, right, and so for people who are my dolphins, which are my problem sleepers, a lot of times the biggest mistake they make is they go to bed too early. Um, which seems completely counterintuitive. So my, what, my problem sleepers, what they'll do oftentimes is they'll go to bed, right? It seems completely Nick, Nick off, Nick right? Is Nick is a dolphin. Nick is a dolphin. Yeah, of course he is, because he's a problem sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> what we understand from that is you might go to, or at least dolphins in general have a tendency to go to bed too early. And they do that because they're thinking they're going to catch up on their sleep and actually doesn't really work that way. I, I try to explain to people all the time, sleep is like a baseball game, all right? If the game starts at eight, and you show up at 7.30, all you're going to see is batting practice, right? You're not going to see any of the game, right? Or if you show up at 9.30, they're not restarting the game for you, right? So your circadian rhythms are genetically set, and your body wants to follow those circadian rhythms. So once I know what your circadian rhythm is, then I start to create schedules, and then I start to work on things like environmental influences, like blue light, like sound, um, supplementation, things like that. So it's really about understanding your genetics first, because otherwise I'm going against mother nature. And quite frankly, you never really seem to win.
0: Well, so, and so that is very interesting to me because, uh, even if I'm like done for the night at 11, I'll typically like, I won't just like, I'll do work or I'll do something on the computer and I'll use blue blockers, but like mm-hmm. I push myself for some reason to go to midnight and then I get to sleep at midnight usually. Like I, even if I could go to sleep at 11, because I've had plenty of experiences where I've gone to sleep at like nine thirty or 10 <laughs> and I wake up feeling really groggy. Yeah. I'm curious for a bear, at least like what are some mm-hmm. of the supplements that you tend to recommend for people?
2: So what's interesting about bears is bears have a tendency to be some of my best sleepers. Dolphins on the other hand are some of my worst sleepers. <laughs>
0: What's about dolphins? I can I, Nick knows this. I can fall asleep oh, anytime, man. It's, anywhere. <laughs> it's not like a with this
1: guy. It's like you're talking to him and like before boom. the boom takes off, he's out. Yeah. And then I'm <laughs> sitting there. Man, I, I took a flight once to London. Oh I took, like What did I take? Three lorazepam and I started drinking. I still couldn't sleep. Oh, God. (laughs) Dude,
2: that's not a good idea.
1: (laughs) What do you call that? That's not speedballing, right?
2: (laughs) No, there's a word for that, but I'm not sure I'm allowed to say it.
1: Um, It is an excellent podcast.
2: Yeah. So at the end of the day, mixing benzodiazepines and alcohol is kind of like, you know, in Marilyn Monroe territory, not quite there, but you're, you know, you're moving in the, that direction. Um, Hard to put it, but, it's not, but in also. But also, it's not surprising that you have difficulty sleeping on long plane rides, right? Because my dolphins are my more on the higher anxiety side. They have a little bit more um, neuroticism, a little bit more obsessive compulsiveness. They like to, sometimes their obsessive compulsiveness can actually get in the way of their levels of productivity. So it doesn't surprise me that in a strange environment like an airplane and an uncomfortable environment, you have difficulty sleeping. But also, just so that you know, for your own edification, it's extremely difficult to sleep sitting up. Uh, And the reason is, is because your heart rate has to actually hit a very particular level in order for you to go into a state of unconsciousness. And when you're vertical by sitting up, your heart has to pump at a higher rate than would allow you to do that just to make blood flow up into the brain. So one of the reasons why we sleep in a recumbent position is because our heart does not have to fight gravity. So once we're lying flat, the whole heart rate slows down and that allows you to enter into sleep. So I bet if we went and got you like a business class ticket or a first class ticket on one of those long flights where you could do a lay flat bed, my guess is that you'd probably have a much greater likelihood of falling I mean,
1: asleep. Yeah, there, I, I've flown business from Hong Kong to New York and yeah, it's better, but I it's still- It's not great. It, it's not. It's not great.
2: Yeah, well, um, that's your-
1: one thing that I noticed about myself um, that I changed is I stop looking at my phone or computer yeah. like an hour before I go to bed because my brain will start just like racing. And like once I start working, like in the brains going, mm-hmm. it takes a little while to slow down. Also, like I like to play speed chess, but I can't play it at night because I won't I won't go to sleep for like a few hours like takes hours for it to like get out of my system, kind of if that makes sense.
2: It makes perfect sense, especially for a dolphin, because again, that level of that kind of low level of anxiety or type A personality that you have, or at least I'm guessing that you have, definitely fuels um, that, am I hitting him right on the nail on the head with this guy?
1: <laughs> Actually, another thing that's interesting: Fran sometimes will speak really loudly next to me, like late at night, yeah. and it'll bother me a lot. And I'll be like, you know, it's like eleven o'clock. Like, the stop the screaming and like just.
2: <laughs> does it bother do you? Does it bother you um, when she swallows or eats food? Sorry. Does it bother you when you hear if her swallowing or eating food? Yeah you know there's a there's a disorder that surrounds that and actually that I can't remember it's kind of this we'll have oh, to look my at lot. It. my wife complains about that about me so. <laughs> so it's but don't feel bad my wife complains about it. my wife is like are you really do you really need to chew that loud michael like i hear that all the time mm-hmm. and i'm like how am i supposed to chew softer like are you kidding me <laughs> Wait, but so what is that disorder? I there was it was on the news yesterday. Like yesterday or today was the this kind of disorder day. Go to if you go into Google and you type in, you know, chewing too loud or something like that, it'll I'm sure it'll pop right up. What happens is is that's that's a level of neuroticism and anxiety that they have not you, but they have. So it's pretty, again, it's pretty interesting to sort of see how how some of these things work. But to answer your question, do I use any kind of supplementation or things like that for dolphins? In many cases, I do. One of the big problems that we've learned with dolphins is that their cortisol is actually high at night and that makes it extremely difficult for them to really kind of get that level of rest. So looking at supplements that can help lower that level of cortisol can actually be quite helpful.
0: Oh, okay. So like uh, adaptogens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay so i take uh da- i take adaptogens every day uh, mm-hmm. like an adrenal support thing from uh, a company called zymogen um mm-hmm. so cause, so i was just always assuming that like when i was getting this burnout between 3 and 5 that i was like cortisols were like bottoming out but then i get this amazing
2: second wind and i'm good for like the rest of the night yeah you're not bottoming out that's exactly where you're supposed to be like it, by trying to override that you're you're actually kind of going against your genetics
0: but so I mean, and I, I'm going to ask you this question, but I, I mean, I couldn't do it even if you said I, I should, but is that when I should be taking a nap?
2: Yeah, that would be a great time for you to take a nap or to meditate or to just do some level of kind of zone in and kind of refocus your day or maybe some mindfulness. That would probably and, be a and good
0: and time. That's when the kids get home from school, so I'm not going to do it, you know? So it's like...
2: Right, <laughs> right. I don't right. To
0: that crash. I, I'm, no, we're different, obviously. Yeah,
1: like obviously. I, I literally like, it's like I struggle to keep my eyes open.
2: Yeah, like, you cr- You crash, wouldn't...
1: Like, a slower, like slightly slower rate of productivity. Like I do more in the morning, but I don't crash. Like I could keep going all, all throughout.
2: And that's again, classic of a dolphin because what you're, what you're really burning on is anxiety. Um, and, and this is again, genetic and don't think of anxiety necessarily as a bad word because it's really not like, it's kind of your fuel at times to kind of keep you clicking, 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 and going through. So from a level of from a productivity, my, sometimes my dolphins are some of my most productive people just because they're going, going, going.
1: So for business partnerships, do dolphins pair
2: well with bears? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, so what's really, it, it depends, right? And I'm really so, nervous that they don't. <laughs> so they, they do only if you know each other's strengths, right? So as an example, so I did the I did the quiz with Dave Asprey, um, and Dave is now having me. You guys know Dave, yeah, of course. Huh? Yeah. So so Dave is now having me go into his company and chronotype his entire company because he wants to have meetings where your chronotypes are at the right times for the right stuff. So we'll do creative meetings when all the wolves who are my more creative people are going to be at their most creative times and we'll do logistical meetings um, in the in the different times in the morning when my lions and my bears and my dolphins are going to be more alert.
1: Do you find though that people within a d- specific department are typically the same chronotype like oh, yeah. developers would be one chronotype oh, and designers. designers would be another chronotype? Totally. Yeah.
2: so So if i go into go ahead
1: but then is it really then that hard to like find the optimal time like why don't you just let each department just pick the time that works for them and like naturally it'll be the time that their chronotype says to do it right uh if if only
2: their if only their managers would allow them that level of freedom then life would be a lot easier but the people who are generally managers are oftentimes my lions or my um early bird coordinators, and they want to do it during their times of alertness, not when their creatives have their level of alertness. And so there's a disconnect there. And so what we try to do is we find times where there can be some sort of symbiosis and working together. But historically, unless you've got a creative who's managing creatives, and by the way, they don't do that very well. Um, Creatives are good at being creative, not good at managing. Um, then you start to have this level of conflict. But when you look at a dolphin and a bear as business partners, as long as you kind of know how each other work, like my guess is is that between the two of you, you know when each other is going to be receptive to an idea or when each other is kind of going to be good for certain things during certain periods of the day. And you've probably, without even realizing it, naturally started to coordinate that. Yeah,
1: I would say We, so. we, we communicate asynchronously, asynchronously
2: yeah, right. anyway. So. <laughs> What's your time? I'm a wolf, so I'm a night owl. I don't go to bed before 12.31, but I don't need a tremendous amount of sleep, so I'm up by 6.30. Um, So I'm a six and a half hour sleeper, generally speaking, and that works out perfect for me.
0: It's good to to hear that you don't need
2: to get nine hours of sleep. (laughs) No, I mean, first of all, look, eight hours is a myth. It's it's from really old data from back in the 40s. um, And there's a lot. uh, And actually, I want to get to the point where I can do like a 23andMe for people's chronotypes because the length of the PER3 gene is what actually determines your sleep drive. And what would be great, and the timing of your sleep, what would be great is if we could start measuring that in people, then we could really dial right in and know exactly how much sleep a person would need. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you could do genetic testing and be like, oh, I'm a six and a half hour person. Awesome. I hit the genetic lottery. This is all I need. I'm off and running.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. So where, where are you based, Michael?
2: I'm based in uh, just outside Los Angeles in Manhattan Beach, California. Oh, cool. I'm from LA originally. Oh, are you? Yeah, it's awesome here. I just moved here a year ago. I used to live in Arizona, um, and we just moved out here. And uh, you know, there's nothing that sucks about living in Manhattan Beach. Let me tell you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, well, first of all, this has been really informative. Thank you, Michael. Um, can, of course. The last question I always like to ask is what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be
2: more effective? So number one is figure out your chronotype by going to powerofwhenquiz.com and checking it out. It's completely free um, and you'll learn a whole lot. Um, number two, figure out what your best sleep schedule is for you and stick to it. And it turns out that the wake-up time is more important than the go-to-bed time. So being very, very consistent, including the weekends, helps your circadian rhythm stay consistent and that's going to be very, very helpful as well. Um, I would say the, the third big you know, piece of information that I tell people about has a lot to do with caffeine. So what most people don't know is caffeine has a half-life of between eight and 10 hours, depending upon how quickly of a metabolizer you are. So if you are a dolphin and you have sleep, you know, sleep issues, you really want to cut caffeine out by about 2 p.m. But even more interesting, I learned when you should have your first cup of coffee, which is actually quite fascinating. So when you wake up in the morning, your cortisol levels are at their highest point, as is your adrenaline, because that's what actually brings you out of a state of unconsciousness. If you add coffee to that, it's literally like adding weak tea to cocaine, right? It just doesn't do a whole lot. So if you wait about two and a half hours when that cortisol level starts to dip, and then you bring... you bring on some caffeine through like a coffee or whatever, you'll actually pick that energy level back up. So the first thing you should drink in the morning is water because you breathe out approximately a liter of water while you're sleeping. So you wake up dehydrated. So better to rehydrate and then wait a good two and a half hours and have your coffee at first thing. I
0: I tried I to basically, for that was a huge shift for me. Um, Probably six months ago, I started
1: Mm -hmm. having coffee at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. Perfect. Well, what I do is I, I, I get a glass of water in the morning. i wake up at 6.30, let's say, go to the mm-hmm. gym from like right. 7 to 8, and then shower, and then 8.30, have my first cup. So it's, it's two Perfect. hours after I yeah. wake up,
2: and I've worked out. Yeah, and and it's it's crazy how accurate this stuff is. I've got over 200 evidence-based studies in the book, and we have another 200 that we couldn't even fit into the book because the book was already, you know, a th- th- little over 300 pages. So I'm hoping to then... You know, focus this next book maybe on work-related stuff. Like uh, in this book, I've got stuff like when should you ask your boss for a raise, and um, you know, when should you have your first cup of coffee? When should you, uh, you know, drink alcohol? You know, and not look like an ass? You know, things like that. So it's pretty interesting when you start to see some of the implications of this stuff.
0: Cool, cool. So sorry, was that three, or did we cut you off? No, that was three. Okay, well, Michael, thank you so much. We'll have links to everything in the show notes, and um, we'll talk to you again soon. I hope.
2: All right, you guys have a good one. Thanks for having me on.